You're listening to People First, the Hyde Park Angels podcast dedicated to deconstructing entrepreneurial success and actionable takeaways you can use today. Hyde Park Angels is the most active early stage investor in Chicago with a commitment to taking a people first approach to investing. By matching our members' expertise and our entrepreneurs' needs, we help develop top performing companies that are delivering extraordinary results. I'm your host, Pete Wilkins, Managing Director here at HPA. Enjoy the show. John, would you like to go ahead and introduce yourself? Hey, good afternoon, Pete. My name is John Higginson. I'm the Chief Technology Officer with Innova International here in Chicago. Well, listeners, we are excited uh, to be able to spend some time with John. He's had a remarkable career. And John, it would be helpful if you wouldn't mind sharing uh, your background with uh, our listeners today. Um, when I first graduated from college, I was living at home, and I interviewed at this company that was not too far away. It was about a half hour from my house. I grew up here in the, in the suburbs in Chicago, and the company was working out of the owner's house. It was nice. a startup. In the- so you're, 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 you're starting to have some of the classic traits of a very successful technologist. I love, I love the leading, uh, the, the lead up into the, the next components of your background. So continue, John. Yeah, you know, it was funny because, you know, I, growing up um, working with computers, you did a lot on your own because it was pre-internet. It was pre, you know, really any kind of like a built-in support system. So you had to learn a lot on your own. You had to bootstrap a lot of things. And so I interviewed this company. They're working out of the owner's ho- house and uh, they were doing insurance technology at a time when insurance technology ran on giant mainframe computers. And, um, you know, I, I interviewed and it was, I, I really liked the, the people and I, I really liked what they were doing. It was a, you know, it was a kind of a pirate ship kind of mission. It was, you know, we're a hundred people, you know, scattered through Chicago and Canada, and we're going to change this industry that mm-hmm. is, you know, has been the same way for a long time. Everybody loves pirates too. Yeah, everybody loves pirates, <laughs> and um, you know, but it was funny because I was, I, uh, you know, I, I lived at home. I was raised by a single mother, and my mom had worked very hard to put me through school. And my mom um, was, my mom was absolutely supportive of what I wanted to do. But that didn't say that my mom didn't have a, a certain perception of what the office would look like that mm-hmm. I would work in. And so and I, I avoided it. I know I'm interrupting you yeah. a little bit, but I, I would also say everybody loves pirates except for moms. Yeah, yeah mom, so. moms are not big on the on the pirate ship, you know, the, um, <laughs> the, the break the rules kind yeah, of stuff. Exactly. Right? Um, yeah, and my mom, uh, you know, she grew up in, in the 50s, and she thought, you know, offices were, you know, blue suit, red tie, and, and uh, you know, were offices. And so I avoided for a very long time telling her, like, I, I told her where I worked, but I avoided for a very long time telling her, like, what the office mm-hmm. really was. Good. See, you're a smart guy. I can tell, yeah. <laughs> but eventually, because, you know, my, my mom had, she not been a restaurant manager, would have made an excellent prosecutor, um, eventually got it out of me that, you know, this office was actually a, you know, a raised ranch home. And, um, you know, that, that we were thinking about moving into an office building. But, you know, and so um, I, I'm sure at that point she thought, you know, I'd thrown away my, my budding career and that, mm-hmm. you know, I was going to flame out there and, you know, God knows what would become of me. Well, the good news is, and I know that I am going to steal a little bit of your thunder, is I'm sure you had the opportunity to shower her with flowers later on. So that will <laughs> be, did, yeah. that's a little tease for our <laughs> listeners. Yeah, it's a spoiler alert for the uh, for the audience. Um, yeah, you know, and but it really worked out well. And, and so that company was Applied Systems and we, you know, we grew it into, and I was there for 14 years and it, it, 
we grew it from a, a startup, you know, and really a company that was incredibly disruptive in that industry. You know, the um, there were so many firsts that came along with Applied, you know, the first to really not have to run on big iron computing, the first to do real-time transactions of any kind in the industry, the first to mobile, the first to the web. And, you know, it taught me a lot. It taught me a lot about, you know, certainly about how to grow a company and how to grow with a company because I certainly did. I began as an engineer um, and wound up running technology there. But it also taught me a lot about how you scale a company. Like mm-hmm. how, do you, how you go from, you know, having – I remember the first time we had a, an insurance brokerage that was more than uh, 20 simultaneous users. Maybe for the listeners too, what, what it applied, what was the core thing when you guys were really rocking and rolling, what was it doing? Yeah, our, our main mission was software for insurance brokerages. And it began with mom and pop shops, and then it morphed into – you know, the biggest insurance brokerages of the world, Um, you know, including like, you know, folks who were doing $100 million commercial vessels and doing insurance for that. Wow. Um, And Applied was unique. Applied, um, you know, again, different technology platform built on PCs, not mainframes. Um, And Applied entered at the time, what was a fairly crowded market for automation and in insurance brokerages, there were 17 competitors when we began. When we sold the company in 2004, there were three. Wow. Um, and, you know, we gobbled up a lot of that market share to get there. Yeah, that must have been exciting. 14 years, you clearly yeah. moved out of the uh, out of the house. Um, yeah, I did. And yeah. ended up going from a coder or an engineer all the way to running technology. Exciting, exciting um entry point into technology. Yeah, it was it was very cool. And it was very cool from a company standpoint, too, because we were, you know, we were a tiny company and we were U.S. only. Um, and then we acquired a, um, basically, we were given a technology company in Canada um, that the previous owners didn't know what to do with. And so we had a Canadian team and all of a sudden we were a multinational company. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had to figure that out. And then we had to figure out how we went to the U.K., um, we had to figure out how we localized for French. Um, and then we got bigger and bigger. Mm. And, you know, we had to you know, figure out how to support thousands of customers instead of hundreds of customers. And technology changed. You know, the Windows and the web hit and the beginnings of the mobile revolution hit when we were there. And we had to go through all that. So it taught me a lot about how to, how to grow a team and how to, you know, how to, how to scale a team to to meet those challenges and, um, you know, and how to deal with a growing company. Because a lot of companies, you know, there's a, uh, you know, there's a saying in, in the Valley about going from zero to one, right, getting started. But a lot of companies struggle to get from one to two because yeah. the skills that get you off the ground with an idea are not always the same skills that get you to a bigger, thriving, growing company. Yeah, and I think what's going to be – Fantastic for our listeners. You're going to talk about not only what you've done with Applied, but with other companies. And I think that, you know, what Hyde Park Angels focus on is people first. It's being able to take expertise from you and our other investor members and being able to apply that to help these entrepreneurs really scale their businesses. So as you continue down your career path, there was kind of a little detour yeah. <laughs> um, that took you away from technology. And I don't know if you want to share, we can leave that or you yeah. can discuss it and then maybe continue on uh, your, your, your journey. Yeah, no. So I, um, yeah, so I was with Applied for 14 years and it was privately held. It was actually bootstrapped. It was a, a single owner. 
And um, you know, we got big enough, and, and the owner began to think about what he wanted to do next. He was a- approaching his 60th birthday, and um, he had decided that he wanted to, to back away from the business, but he, he, he didn't feel, as he joked, that he could actually, he could actually step away from it if he, didn't, if he still owned it. And so we actually put together a team. It was me. Uh, it was the president of the company. It was the owner's son and uh, our CFO. We actually did a roadshow. And um, we talked to, I think it was 15 different companies and, um, you know, worked on it. Was, that was really a fascinating process because we I had bet. to think about how to, how to talk about the company to people that maybe knew nothing about the industry and yeah. certainly knew nothing of the history. Especially and, back in that day, too, because you yeah. were disrupting it and there's new place, new ways to do this. So, yeah. And, and that's about you know valuation too. I mean, it's not you know not dissimilar to trying to to write trying to raise money. You're trying to tell a story about what the potential of the company right. is. Um, so the good news is that was successful. Uh, you know, we wound up uh, selling the company. So the company, just to give you a sense of scale, was about 100 million in revenue. We sold it for about 330 million um, in 2004. That is bell ringing worthy, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah everybody uh, was celebrating. Yeah, that uh, you know that. We worked really hard to tell the story, and it, it really paid off. And, um, you know, so everybody was happy. The owner was, was very happy, and he was, you know, able to, you know, to feel like his original idea, he had, you know, had been validated. He'd really changed the industry, and he could move on and do some other things. And I also, viewed, I also saw that as an inflection point for me. It was my opportunity to think about what I want to do next. And I was fortunate enough to be able to take some time off, and so I did. Now, some people take time off. They go to Fiji. Um, I went to law school. Which is nice, by the way. (laughs) Which I've never been to. I went to law school. Um, Which is, for some, not nice, but (laughs) I won't judge you. I won't judge you. Um, You know, if you ever wanted to argue over what brand of chili you're going to have for lunch on a daily basis, law school is the place to go. (laughs) Um, Because you can argue about anything, I learned. I I Um, could imagine. But, you know, I went because I was very fascinated by the intersection of technology and law. And I had... um, you know, I'd run across that in a lot of things in applied systems, everything from intellectual property protection to kind of the earliest beginnings of privacy protection, on right. a, you know, on a, a national level when it came to the EU and on a state level in, in the United States. And I was really fascinated by how that was all going to work in the future. And, um, and I, you know, and I, I was drawn to it, too, as kind of an intellectual exercise. So it was, it was good to be able to just like totally step away from you know, from a job I'd done for a very long time, and certainly in the last few years, few years have been very intense. You know, right. the company was growing. We were acquiring companies. Then we did the road show, which is like having a second full-time job. Um, but it really allowed me to step back and think about the lessons of applied um, and, you know, get a good education. And so I did that. And um, we'll, we'll mark it up to intellectual curiosity, which was the driver, um, as opposed to many entrepreneurs after they sell their company, which would be Fiji. But yeah, we'll continue on. We'll we'll mark it as wow, this guy is curious to learn. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I you know I I would definitely still like to go to Fiji one day. So um, you know, so I, after I, I was just finishing school actually, and I got a call for a company here in Chicago. It was actually a company I didn't know was in the Chicago area, and that was FTD, uh, the flower company. And FTD was a company basically in the beginnings of its own reinvention. Mm-hmm. FTD had been, FTD is an old company in one part of it. Uh, the florist side of the company, the, the side of the company that provides 
materials and technology to Floris is now 107 years old. But the e-commerce part of the company was only nine years old. And they actually had been two separate companies that were being merged together. And as happens in companies that wind up getting merged together, the technology platforms were very, very different. And in some cases, wholly inadequate for the mission of the company. Um, and I, I'm going to just kind of point out to our listeners, too, because I think this is something we're going to get back to is just you're, you're talking about, um, I think, a couple of things in, in what you're, you know, from a startup perspective, you saw how do you disrupt um, industry, um, both in the way that you approached it from technology and also the way that you were solving consumers' problems. And then now as you get into FTD, there is, you know, they're just, they were disrupting when you stepped in, but mm. the back end you had as a technologist and as and you know a, a leader in that area, you got to start thinking about how do I make this all work together. Yeah, there were the thing about FTD is they were really the first online gifting site. Mm-hmm. Uh, FTD was one of the very first sites to launch in 1995 to off to be able to to go online and order gifts and have them delivered, and that was the power of the the florist as well. And that was a real, that was a continuing, very real opportunity uh, beyond flowers, also with other kinds of gifts, whether it be balloons or stuffed animals or, you know, later on jewelry and other kinds of things. And then the florist network was still a huge part of the company. In fact, most of the company's EBITDA came from the florist, mm-hmm. selling flowers, selling vases, and selling technology. But in both cases, the technology had been kind of left uh, alone and not not really touched. So you have this company that has a lot of growth opportunity. You can you can do more online and you have a florist network that could be really optimized. In many ways it was almost like supply chain optimization for the florist because orders from the site got delivered by the florist. Mm-hmm. And it was a very disconnected relationship. The day I started, uh, I was walking around, my boss walked walked me around and I knew from the interview process that this was the case, but pulled it all together is that every order that FTD took, and we're talking about millions of orders, mm-hmm. went through a mainframe. And I just spent 14 years at a company killing mainframes. Right. I... And so I get here and I'm like, well, wait a minute, we're, everything's going through a mainframe. I said, well, who maintains that? And he pointed to uh, three folks who were in the corner who had all announced their intention to retire in the next couple of years. Right. And I looked at him and I said, that that's a problem, right? And he said, yeah. And I said, what are we doing about it? He's like, well, that's why you're here. Right. <laughs> so I think one of the things that, that I'd love to do, John, is I want to dig into that. Let's, let's, um, let's if we could spend just a, a little time. So FTD, if you could give us a snapshot and then we get into um, Inova and so forth, because I'm going yep. to pull you back into all these experiences. So we're going to relive some of the experience you had with integrating and building teams and changing processes. So in the interest of making sure that we have the opportunity for the listeners to get all that meaty details, mm-hmm. maybe um, we accelerated just a little bit on how your career path moved forward, and then we'll talk about some lessons learned because this is rich stuff, and I know that um, there's a lot of lessons to be learned. Sure. At FTD, I, originally I joined as the head of engineering and uh, worked on revitalizing both the e-commerce platform and the technology used for our florist. And that was both the point-of-sale software that they used as well as the, the software that connected all of them together. So making sure that we could get the, the order to the right florist in yeah. the right location, 
making sure we had quality measures in that network. You know, yeah. so making sure that that because it was a disconnected relationship. FTD didn't own them; they were yeah. members. So just making sure that worked. Um, Move from that to running all of technology. Uh, I was actually the first CTO of the combined company. FTD had had CTOs and CIOs, but they had only ever owned a part of the technology platform because of the way the company was structured. They either owned infrastructure only or uh, some part of the e-commerce platform. So I was actually the first one to actually have the entire technology portfolio. Wow. I mean, what a career. That is awesome. And just going back to that, the spoiler alert that you had talked about, did you, on a regular basis, get your mom flowers, or how did that work out? I, I did. No. And uh, <laughs> the, the funny thing about working for a flower company, working, you know, working at FTD, is you, uh, you learn a couple things. One is... Uh, you learn that that people really like flowers, right. and you know, particularly for your mom, who learned to accept your career journey, but was very skeptical in the beginning. Mm-hmm. That you know, winding up at FTD was a, a good thing for her. You also learn that, and so Valentine's Day, as you might imagine, is a very hectic holiday. And Valentine's Day, often most of the orders come in at the very end of the holiday. And I always thought to myself, because I never did this, who orders the last minute at mm-hmm. Valentine's Day? And I was at FTD one day, and actually one of my friends called me, and and the day of, mind you, when it's like you know it's sure. like being in the middle of a hurricane. Right. Better and, than and after the day of, though. Better, so, right? Yeah, better than after, because you know that's that's <laughs> when all the that's when all the hey my flowers didn't turn out the way I, I thought they would, or you know I forgot to order. Um, one of my friends called me and said, hey, I ordered uh, my wife flowers this afternoon. Do you know what time they'll get there? And, and I, I held the phone to my head, and I, I'm like, okay, now I know who does this. <laughs> right, exactly. So it's, it's all came full circle. So there you are getting your mom flowers, CTO of the combined companies. And what, what, what happens next in your career? Yeah, so I worked with FTD, and, and likewise um, with Applied, we went through a couple of transactions at FTD. So when I joined... Uh, one of the first things that happened is we acquired a company in the UK. Uh, a couple of years later, we ourselves were acquired by the parent company of Classmates.com. And uh, they owned us for about five years. Mm-hmm. And then uh, they spun us off again as a separate public company. One of the cool things, and I have the pictures at home on my, uh, on my bookcase to show for it, is I've been lucky enough to ring the bell both at the NYSE and at NASDAQ. Nice. So... Um, NASDAQ was with FTD, and um, we, because we spun off as a separate public company. And, you know, very similar to Applied, you know, having worked at FTD for eight years and having been, you know, in the, in the center of a lot of transformation of that business and that technology, it was a chance for me to, to do something else. And so I started to think about where I would go next. Mm-hmm. And so the very next thing I did after FTD is I, I went uh, to work for a company here in Chicago, in the Chicago area, called Wheels. Mm-hmm. Um, Wheels, very different company, but, you know, again, some, some very meaty and interesting technology challenges there. So Wheels is a multi-billion dollar um, managed services company for vehicle fleets, for uh, service fleets such as, like, gas and oil right. companies as well as pharmaceutical companies. And everything they do is delivered through technology. So they're connected to repair networks, to fuel networks, to um, 
uh, to uh, the auto manufacturers themselves for ordering, as well as tools for the people that use the vehicle. So uh, we built video games to teach driver safety. Because as you might imagine, learning the rules of the road um, is not the thing that people jump in every morning and go, I can't wait to take this lesson. So we try to make it fun and, and competitive for them. And, and how did, how did wheels.com turn out for you? Wheels was good. You know, Wheels was an established company. It was, it was like FTD in the sense that it had been around for a long time, about 75 years when I joined. Um, it was a chance to really kind of revitalize and, and revamp the underlying technology. So it brought a lot of things to Wheels, including you know, thinking about how we built a stronger engineering team, uh, bringing agile practices to not just the, the tech team, but the business. Like right. get the business to think agilely and think more on, internally, entrepreneurially. Um, and then to really work on the on the underlying technology. And, and if I don't, if I recall correctly, that's when um, you kind of had an intersection of your FDD past at Anova, correct? Yeah, that's correct. I uh, so I I was at Wheels for about a year, and uh, I liked the company. I also recognized that it was a in some ways a kind of a a project, you know, to do this to do these changes in the company and do it. And I was I was really hungry for. Uh, some, you know, what, what the next challenge would be. And I didn't know when that would be, but I, you know, I was beginning to think about it. And then I got a call uh, for a company called Innova. Um, and Innova uh, was at the time about 10 years old. It had been a brand new startup. It had recently spun off from its parent company. It was in the process of going public, this time on the New York Stock Exchange. And they were looking for a CTO. And they were looking, among other things, the core thing they were looking for was somebody who had been through that journey who could help the company scale. As a company was was going past $500 million in revenue and approaching mm-hmm. a billion in revenue, they wanted somebody who could come in and scale that team and scale that technology and do it. And just think, if I, I wish you probably wish you could have recorded that when you got the call and send that to your mom, say, look, this whole yeah. idea that I had with the um, working at someone's house worked out. So that is, if you look, and we're going to dive into Nova a little bit, but I think that you hit on something that we'll kind of connect on is the idea of scale and building. And so when you're looking back, and I know you work with a lot of different entrepreneurs and a lot of our audience um, are focused on how do they go from zero to one, one to two, like you were talking to mm-hmm. in a figurative perspective, what do they need to start thinking about as they go through that process from a technologist mm-hmm. and from developing a team to be to build their product from a technology viewpoint? One of the earliest lessons I, I learned, and this is true at Applied, and, and it was also true at other, you know, at, at, at FTD and at Innova at Wheels as we got bigger is, you get to a certain point, and you have to think about what you don't have. You the you have a core team that will get you to that initial point, mm-hmm. and then you have to think about okay, what do we need to grow? And you really need to kind of step outside of yourself and say, forget about everything we've done to date. What does it mean to get you know two times bigger or, or five times bigger? What does it mean to have customers in different countries? I think can I just I think yeah. that uh, let's highlight that. Just stepping back, and, and I think the entrepreneurs that are listening, I mean, there is a point where on a regular basis, if you just step back and say, what is it going to take to be two times bigger or four times bigger? And that might just be one employee to two, or it could be 2,000 to 
4,000, but that is a really a good way, that's a good question that you should ask yourself as an mm-hmm. entrepreneur when you're looking at this. You really, you really have to think about it, and you have to be, you have to be clear-eyed about it because it is difficult. There's, you know, Steve Jobs, when he was alive, talked about how he was, he was a much better CEO when he came back to Apple the second time, having been a CEO at smaller companies, tried his hand at other things like Pixar, and learned from his first Apple experience, but he was not ready to run that company in the late 80s. And, you know, from a technology team perspective, you you do wind up saying, you, the people that know how to build kind of the first site or the first app, what does it mean when that app has to service a million people? Mm-hmm. What, what skill sets don't you have? And it is hard because it means, you know, Going back to the pirate analogy, like when you're in a startup, you're you're this merry band of pirates trying to change everything. Mm-hmm. And applied one through this. What would you say? Here are the three things that you should think about when you start the interview process. The first thing I would suggest is what have they built before? Okay. Uh, you definitely want to talk to somebody who has built not not necessarily the exact same thing that you're building, but something analogous. Mm-hmm. So have them point you to their portfolio. Mm-hmm. What site have they built? What app have they built that mm-hmm. you can look at, play with? And you know, the great thing about a lot of the technology we have today is it, it is publicly available. So it's an app in the app store or site. You can you can look at it and you'll get a good sense if like did they build it right? Does it crash? Does it does it make sense for how they designed it? I think that's that's part one. The second goes back to the network. If you're an entrepreneur, and there, there are definitely entrepreneurs that come from come from technical backgrounds of some kind, and you may be more comfortable at doing the interview. But if you're not, that's another good way to use your network. Mm-hmm. If you want to, if you want to have somebody help you vet, um, and I just did this actually with uh, somebody I know who is in uh, 3D materials creation. He is building software. He's not a technologist by nature. He asked me, can you help me figure out who the right person is to do this? So definitely use your network. Right. You would qualify. I would, I would certainly use you. So that you, they, they, they picked the right guy. <laughs> I, uh, I, I came with the pedigree for right. that. Um, I could not help him, though, if he was you know, looking at you know, how to build his five-year financial model. But, sure. Um, and then the third on, you know, on testing, there's a lot of things out there. Uh, there's there's definitely so I think this comes down to more of if you're looking for an engineer, um, there are a lot of different you know, logic tests, you know, programming, uh, what's called pseudocode, which isn't any particular language, but mm-hmm. you could use that as a way to to vet. A lot of them are online. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, are, you know, there are things like Hacker Rank and some other online sites that you can use that you can just have them go there, take a test, and see mm-hmm. how they score with that. I think for more senior technologists, it, it really goes back to the first two. What have they built? What can they show you? What's their track record? And then if you're not comfortable, who in your network can you bring in to help you do that? That's great advice. Really appreciate you providing insights into how to build teams. I think three things that I'm going to walk away with, and I think a lot of our listeners will too, are the people who you start the company might not be the same people that are going to build the company long term. So we all have different skill sets. They may apply for certain times in your business extremely well, and they may evolve over time. And as a tech leader, you have to make sure you're evaluating that so that you continue to have the best team members building the best products at the right time. I think the second element that that was true is when you're looking for technical team members, 
you shouldn't necessarily look at the skills that they bring. That is important, but I think ultimately what you want to look for is how they think and how they learn because it's always going to be evolving. So that, that is really helpful, John. And, and the final one that I think is the, the grand slam or the, the big winner out of everything you said is the best answer wins. And I think if we can apply that to all of our businesses, it will be something that will benefit all of us for the long term. So, John, I appreciate uh, all your insights and look forward to building businesses with your ideas. Thank you.